The Pace Line is produced by The Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, John Emlin, Robot Lewis. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Uh, so it looks like you're back home, sir. I am back. Uh, I am back in the Boston metro area, where the ground is dry, delightfully dry. Mm. Um, and uh, that means bike riding is back on. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, is it, is it, uh, cold to your taste? Um, it's pretty warm. It's 40 something here today. (laughs) (laughs) I, (laughs) I am wearing shorts and a long sleeve t-shirt today. (laughs) But let's just acknowledge that I'm laughing at my own softness. Um, well, uh, yeah, sure. But it's just what you're used to, right? I mean, we go mm-hmm. through winter yeah. here. We go through winter here. And once it's been below 20 or even below zero a few times, above 40 is like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember that. I remember thinking, hey, this is a pretty good day. One day when I was I was working at a bike shop in uh, Northampton many years ago, and it was like, it was like, it had just broken above 50 degrees. It's completely overcast. You know, it's damp. It, it is objectively not a nice day. And I'm like, Ooh, I, I kind of wish, kind of wish I was out riding in this. Oh yeah. I mean, 50 is a pretty ideal riding temperature for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I also, this time of year, I get clothing fatigue you know, it's you've been like bundling to do everything. And it's just like, man, I would rather be slightly cool, maybe a little cold than just have more clothing on. Ugh. I've been told that it's unpleasant to look at me shiver. So oh. uh, I have to take a slightly different approach on that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that seems very critical to me, but go on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I, sure. But, you know, I, you yeah. know, I, I like to get along. Sure. Yeah. Um, Lead us out. Should we jump in? Yeah. All right. Um, so this is this is um, somewhat winter uh, related, uh, but bear with me, um, because my wife yesterday said to me, I like skiing with you. Now, we've been together for 30 years. And I have a pretty poor track record of having people I'm related to enjoy doing outdoor activities with me. (laughs) With the prime example being bike riding. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But also extending to trail running and many other outdoor things, which I enjoy. And that's mostly because I like them too much (laughs) and want to do them for too long. But 
Uh, so when she said she likes skiing with me, I had two thoughts. The first was, holy cow, I like skiing with you too. Um, <laughs> Ray. Yeah. And then the second one was, hmm, how did I avoid screwing this up? <laughs> if I could wave a magic wand and turn my family into bike riders, enthusiastic bike riders, uh, I would do that in a heartbeat. I mean, they are perfect sure. as they are, yeah. but I would make that change. Mm -hmm. I love to be outdoors, and being outdoors with the people I love, uh, well, those two things multiply each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so given that my wife and to some extent my kids are willing and even eager to ski with me, uh, what did I do differently with riding bikes that produced a different outcome? <laughs> And this is a thing I've thought about a lot, not just recently, but over a period of years. And the explanations I've, uh, I've come up with have actually evolved. Oh, yeah. First, there's the obvious stuff, right? Like, I failed to ride down to their levels. I had expectations for the rides that we did together that they could feel and didn't like. <laughs> I lacked patience. I was less generous than I needed to be. Those things are all true to some degree, but they don't actually tell the whole story. Uh-huh. The thing is, what captures people's imagination, what they love or learn to love, is really up to them. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't need me around to start liking bikes, and my being around didn't actually prevent them from loving to ride. Yeah. Uh, it was a thing I really wanted— and then it didn't happen leads to these sort of self-recriminations I offered a second ago. Mm -hmm. But I think that's an ego reflex. It's this assumption that I'm more important than, in the equation than I actually am. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, uh -huh. I'm not controlling my family. I'm not forcing them to do or not do things. Right. Um. I may be impatient. I may have the wrong expectations. Those things can all be true, but it can also be true that those people are <laughs> completely self-autonomous and can decide for themselves perfectly well what they like to do and what they don't like to do. I mean, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think ultimately my influence on them is more passive than active. Riding bikes is my thing. Mm -hmm. It's a big job for them to come up as far up the curve with cycling as I've come. Mm -hmm. And that's maybe more than anyone wants to take on unless they're sure it's their thing, too. And it's just not. They like other stuff. Mm -hmm. My kids play volleyball. They love it. Um, you know, they like to ski. Mm -hmm. We like to we all like to ski. And skiing is not my thing. Or more accurately, we all took it up at the same time. We all started in the same place and got to learn it together. And that made the job of figuring it out. For them, I think, much less daunting. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Additionally, I've tried to dial myself way back on skiing. I'm no expert, and when I get to ski with my family, I just ski. Mm -hmm. Often wherever and however they want to. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's much less freighted. Yeah. And, you know, there are external factors, too. Like, where we live, it's densely populated, and there's a lot of traffic. Riding a bike around, if you're not really into it, is intimidating. Yeah. My point here is just to say that I'm not a bad person because my family doesn't love bike riding. I'm just a regular imperfect person, and it helps to recognize that. In addition to being 
expensive, the barriers to entry for new cyclists are not insignificant. True. True. Your kids like to ride, which is nice. Okay, well, I want to hear more about that. But how much do you think you've influenced that for better or worse? And do you see some of what I've seen when riding with significant others? So uh, perhaps the only benefit I have of not having a 30-year marriage is that I've managed to get cycling completely and exactly wrong with previous partners and then learn how to get it right. Mm. Um, but you know, that, that leaves out for a moment, the fact that on the occasions that I got it right, those people were really into cycling. Mm. Um, and on the occasions that I got it wrong, you know, maybe, maybe cycling was not, I can certainly say in one instance, the person was not especially into cycling. Um, if I can step out of this for one moment, though, and go back to your uh, your comparison here, would it maybe be fair for us to observe that, except for the lift lines, just about every moment of downhill skiing is really entertaining? And the only time you suffer when your thighs are burning, uh, you're busy also having a really good time? Um. That is true once you've achieved a certain confidence on skis. Sure, sure. But until you've reached that point, it remains a pretty significant physical challenge, especially for someone like my wife and, and me. We both took it up in our late 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no, I don't think it was fun out of the gate for her. It wasn't fun out of the gate for me, but I have a different relationship uh, with, with things that are not fun, with things that are not fun outdoors. <laughs> I just assume they're going to come good. And she entertains the possibility that eh, maybe she just doesn't like it, which, <laughs> you know, I sort of look at it and think there's no way I don't like this. <laughs> I may be bleeding out of my out of my eyeballs, but, I'm, you know, I'm still looking at it like, nope, I mean, this checks all my boxes, so I must just need to keep at it. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I'm just maybe I'm just dense. <laughs> I, I mean, thinking back to my own early days uh, as an alpine skier and I, I mean, I, I've, I have this mental picture of of me on skis in a, a slight A and my poles out behind me and, you know, my knees are nearly knocked and I'm bent forward at the waist mm. for, for no reason, no good reason at all. It's just yeah. plain bad technique. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and I mean, I never actually saw myself like that because I was too busy doing it, but I can see in my mind's eye that, you know, I, I looked uh, awkward to the point of comic. Yeah. And there's something about the promise of alpine skiing that helps draw an awful lot of us through because there were times where I was on, you know, a, a steep little chute and there's not enough room for me to make my lazy ass turns. And I wasn't really, I was scared. I wasn't really actually having fun. 
And there was something inherent to the notion of alpine skiing. Part of it. Yeah. Oh, snow and outside. Um, you know, that just sounds like a good time. Absolutely. I share that view, but there are a lot of people and I would put a lot of beginner cyclists, uh, uh, especially beginner mountain bike uh, riders mm -hmm. who aren't comfortable with speed, are afraid they're going to hurt themselves. I mean, there are a lot of things like you and I have grown up riding bikes like there's no point in our lives that we really recall where bike riding wasn't a thing where moving quickly through space wasn't a thing where mm -hmm. where maybe getting the wheels off the ground, uh, though scary, is exciting. Uh, but there are a lot of people uh, coming into all of these sports who have a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. And I think I think there's a real hump you got to get over with mm -hmm. those things in order for it to be enjoyable. Um, yeah. And so, you know, th that is a thing unto itself, but then there's the, the, the interpersonal or like the, the, the difficulties of being in a family together and the, <laughs> the freighted nature of like, well, this person's getting better than that person. And now they're to get, they're trying to do this thing together, but they're of unequal ability. There's all of this stuff mm -hmm. that clouds mm -hmm. the picture. Mm -hmm. You know, at some point with my kids with riding bikes, I let go of it and I said, well, they will ride. They will like, make friends who ride bikes and f and learn to love it on their own or they just won't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's all fine. Um, and to a degree, you know, I think that's true with my wife. And, and you know, there there are flip side issues uh, where my wife likes to dance and I don't. You know, so it all sort of play. It's all. Mm -hmm. It's about people's temperaments. It's about their patience. It's about, you know, sometimes like I skied with my wife yesterday and we had a great day. The weather was beautiful. There was a lot of well-groomed snow. Uh, we had the place to ourselves because it was a Monday. And so we had this great experience. If this, if we had been in a similar situation on a really cold Saturday with long lines, she would not have loved skiing with me, <laughs> mm. you know, mm. uh -huh. um, and just to put it back on the bike, you know, there are plenty of times when I've, I've taken her to places that I thought were accessible to beginners that, that were not. Yep. Yep. Um, Yeah. So it is all complicated. Uh, I think I think the point of what I was trying to say today is that just because we love bikes, they don't have to. There's nothing um, there's nothing that says they won't love them, but there's nothing that says that they will. You can screw things up from a patience and planning point of view uh, and still get a good outcome. And you can, ha you know, do everything right and still get the one that the outcome you don't want and and your participation uh may only affect the outcome by a couple of degrees that's right <laughs> that's right yeah part of this is me letting myself off the hook uh mm -hmm. and part of it is me putting it out for other cyclists who've maybe failed to convert a significant other or a child or a friend to b riding bikes to just say you know 
it's not for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. As cyclists, as bike riders, we, we, we find it difficult to believe it's not for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. But it's not for everyone. Nope. Nope. Uh, and, and even among people who love cycling, they might not love it in the same way that you do. And they might not like all the different kinds that I like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I have a bunch of friends who are, you know, roadies. They just want to ride on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, what about gravel bikes? And they're like, no interest. I'm like, how could you have no interest? Well, especially where you live to not own a gravel bike, given the <laughs> infrastructure you have, um, you're just missing out. I mean, that's what I think. But there again, you know, like I have a good friend who is a very accomplished road cyclist who's done, you know, 600 K brevets and is like, mm. he can he can do the thing but if you get him on a non-smooth surface his bike handling is terrible wow and he he has tried and tried and it doesn't come together and he doesn't enjoy it i don't know why Mm -hmm. huh yeah go figure yeah Um, that's probably a good note to end on (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's 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 what we've boiled it down to huh go figure all right let's take a break (laughs) now that we've settled that yes we're going to take a break and be back in just a minute hi it's john i hope you're enjoying the podcast and that you find something you like to read regularly on the cycling independent Increasingly, cycling media is either dominated by clickbait listicles banner ads and cross marketing campaigns or it's out of business. We're trying to buck that trend by being a reader and listener supported site. That's where we gain our independence from a model that's just not working very well. So if you can, please consider our $3 subscription. It's a cup of coffee. It's a beer. It's an amount you can part with. There are $5 and $10 subscriptions too. If you're more enthusiastic about what we do or more financially secure, have a look at those. But $3, takes us an awfully long way. The point is, we need your support to keep doing what we do. Thanks for considering it. Okay, we're back with the Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. What do you got for us? Well, speaking of doing things together, uh, my sweetie, Jennifer, and I are discussing getting on my tandem again. We... (laughs) We've done it twice so far, um, so it's not quite as again, but you know it's still yeah. Yep. This will this will increase our experience by fifty percent. Yep. Uh, we probably haven't been on this tandem in six months. Yeah. Uh, that is because it hasn't actually gone super well for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though we both love bikes, right? Yeah. Uh, one of the challenges in our conversation has been my reluctance to give her advice. I've done loads of tandeming, but I've been on the back of a tandem in the stoker position for less than a mile total. Mm. Yeah. Um, The issue is that while I know plenty of the techniques that stokers use to enjoyably and capably pedal in back, I don't have any real experience doing any of that. My experience is what it's like to have that person behind you. Mm. 
uh, which is uh, reasonably awesome. Um, so the issue really is that I'm struggling with a sense of authority, uh, actually lack thereof, which is kind of funny given my position as an authority in the industry. Right. Uh, there are two techniques, strategies, strategies uh, that the best stokers I've ridden with have used. Uh, and they really make a big, big difference. And this is kind of what I'm hoping to be working on the next time we pull that thing out. Uh, the first is to spend some time riding with your eyes closed and simply feel the tandem move and to move in response, not to what you see in the, ter in the terrain ahead, but in response to the way the tandem moves beneath you. Uh, but back to my authority thing. I've had stokers tell me they did this, but I have no idea how to impart what goes into that. Uh, I've known people who raced tandems uh, and I've heard stories from stokers about how they'd get into dicey moments on the track and they'd close their eyes and try to relax their upper body and pray <laughs> a lot. Uh, and sometimes that, sometimes that helped them through and they saw success. And on the occasions it didn't help, it didn't make the difference that wound up with them being on the boards. Sure. Um, the other strategy I've got lots of experience with is using the pedals to communicate. Now, I have to admit that the communication here is mostly one way uh, from the captain to the stoker. And this is something that I respect is mentally taxing. Uh, it demands constant attention to the pedal stroke. It's fair to mention that the captain can't be oblivious either, though. Uh, a good captain will be calling stuff out very regularly and they have to distinguish between stopping the pedal stroke uh, simply to coast and stopping the pedal stroke in order to give the stoker a chance to stand up for some bump. Mm. Uh, and that brings us to another problem with my authority. I don't have any firsthand experience of why being in the stoker position is so hard on the ass. <laughs> I only know that to be true. Sure. You know, it's like knowing about the Arctic. I've never been there, but, you know, I've got solid reports. Right. It's cold. Yeah. 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 Uh, For now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Yeah. We, we, we should keep ourselves honest on that score. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been careful to, com to communicate that if she doesn't want to ride the tandem, I'm not going to push. Uh, but if she wants to ride it, I'll do all I can to make the experience enjoyable for her. Um, the only strategy I've settled upon and don't worry for my authority is just to listen. Listen lots. Mm. Uh, as a guy who's had one relationship outlast all of mine put together. <laughs> uh, by the way, everybody, we're actually recording this on Valentine's Day. Uh, <laughs> a good point. What am I leaving out, John? Well, my wife and I are maintaining our 30 year tradition of doing nothing about Valentine's Day. So I don't know if that'll help you, but that's what that's my advice. Um, <laughs> as for um, how to communicate on the tandem. I don't know. I don't know. 
I, you know, I used to sell uh, some tandems, and mm -hmm. occasionally I would send a couple who thought they wanted a tandem out on a demo ride, and almost all of them came back chastened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Almost, <laughs> almost, uh, almost to a person, the stoker came back somewhat terrified, and the... The captains uh, would all return um, sort of befuddled uh, because everything <laughs> seemed very intuitive to them and they couldn't understand what all the squealing was from behind them. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I will confess to you, and I'm not proud of this feeling <laughs> that I have, this bias that I have. Mm. But I have this personal view that the tandem runs counter for me to what riding a bike is about. <laughs> because riding uh. a bike for me is about autonomy and independence. And look, look, I get it. I get it. You want to do a thing together. And I also know, you know, like uh, my friends, uh, Matt and Susie, uh, are avid, avid tandem riders, and mm -hmm. they do so well at it. Uh, and they are a, a long-term married couple, and mm -hmm. so I, I understand that it it takes the right pair. I guess that's what I would say: is it takes the right pair. And so, for anyone interested in it, I would just find out if you're that pair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's also. Uh, you know, if I had, if I had a cassette, I'd rewind the tape. Um, you're the guy who said you don't like to dance. Yep. I submit that that alone signals that you are not the target market for a tandem. The beauty of a tandem is yes. that shared experience. It's a I, kind no, of I, intimacy I that, that is I just see. unlike anything else. Yeah. I see that. I see that. I think, I think, um, I think that's right. I think that my I am willfully independent, especially outdoors. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, like I've run well with certain running partners and I've ridden well with certain riding partners. But if you hook us together in that kind of uh, constantly dependent on each other way, mm -hmm. I'm going to lose my mind. Well, uh, that that clarifies it there right there. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I think a, a big part of why uh, my relationship with my wife works is that actually she doesn't have to ride bikes for us to get along. Like we don't have to do all the same things. We don't feel we're not cons we don't constrain each other mm -hmm. uh, in that way. And. You know, she. the other piece of that is that she is uh, wildly independent and uh, and willfully autonomous in the same way I am. So and, I, and also just a general specimen of a physical badass. She's great. She's got all the stuff she needs. She needs nothing. Um, and she certainly doesn't meet, need me saying we're going to coast now. <laughs> 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 oh, 
Well, that that kind of sums it up yet again. Yeah, my best advice for uh, any couple thinking of tandeming is try before you buy. That's my oh, <laughs> that yeah. is my best advice. Yeah, uh, Bill McCready of Santana Tandems, the, uh, easily the largest maker of tandems on the planet ever, uh, has acknowledged that they are what he terms relationship amplifiers. Yes. Whatever is going on in the relationship will will be focused upon and magnified uh, quite significantly. And I have I have experienced this uh, on both sides. Yeah. Uh, as a relationship deteriorated, our ability to ride a tandem t- together deteriorated. Yeah. 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 So uh, it's it's a very interesting experience. I mean, maybe as a pre-wedding uh uh ritual or let you know as part of the a wedding license <laughs> not that i think marriage license whatever <laughs> but maybe that's part of it like when you if you apply for a marriage license they'd be like well have you done your two hours on a tandem because <laughs> <laughs> we could that- save you a lot of trouble you know, I mean, yeah, if people respected that as a bellwether of where things were headed, um, our our divorce rate in this country would radically drop. Yeah, the bike solves all problems. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all righty, let's move on to Paceline Picks. What are you doing this week? Um, so throughout the history of the Cycling Independent and Red Kite Prayer before that, I have consistently taken up positions skeptical of technology. This is true. It's not because I'm anti-technology, but because I try to resist the idea that you need much more than a bike, most any bike, really, to enjoy riding. Very true. Yeah. I have been sucked down the hole of uh, data and measurement, and it didn't produce good results for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's me. I understand that it enhances it for other people. That's I'm not saying no one should do it. If, if it works for you, do it. Just doesn't work for me. Um, and but today, today, I'm going to play against character and pick the All Trails app, mm. which I have used to discover new trails, certainly in areas uh, that I'm not familiar with, and also to help me find my way back out of navigation <laughs> mistakes. And that's probably a more valuable application in my experience than the other one. But the other one is also super valuable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the, the trails I know, I know really well. The ones I don't. Well, a little help is greatly appreciated. Uh, yeah. Beyond maps and suggestions, though, there's just a ton of info in the app. So if you're a gravel rider or a mountain biker and you haven't looked at it, give it a shot. Um, Hmm. They do a free trial so you can, you know, sort of you can try before you buy. Um, And then for 36 bucks a year, Mm -hmm. uh, you get full access. And I think it's a well worth it investment. Like getting yourself unlost once might more than pay the annual fee, in my mind. Uh, given what an Uber could run you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or the fight that you get in because you're two hours late getting home because you took a left where you should have taken a right. I, 
funny story. Very recently, All Trails got me out of the soup. I was I was actually on a hike, and it was a it was a eight mile hike. Okay. And uh, on a clearly marked trail, uh, but I was chit chatting with friends and blew straight past a turn. Uh, and that turn led to actually a mountain bike area with a bunch of switchbacks in it. And it was about the fourth switchback that we were like, this is not right because this is a through hike. (laughs) Um, and our eight mile hike became an 11 and a half mile hike, uh, (laughs) and took a little over an hour, hour and a half, maybe longer than it was supposed to. Uh, and I'll just what? say that I'm really glad that I packed the headlamp uh, that particular day. Wow. <laughs> so all trails. Give it a look if you haven't if you haven't already. I suspect a lot of people have, but if you haven't, give it a shot. I, you know, it's funny. Uh, 18 months ago, everybody was talking about uh, trail forks, trail forks, trail forks. Yep. Uh, and now everybody's all trails. Um, the problem is that I, I bought in for that, uh, initial, whatever, $49 subscription for trail forks. Yep. And then they dropped it to 1799. Ow. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's like, you know, we keep hearing that outside is not making enough money. It's like, why'd you drop by my subscription by more than half? Um, yeah. Uh, I've, I've liked it, but I'm hearing so many good things about all trails that like maybe this summer I'm, I might look at switching. Yeah. Yeah. And I think actually the story you told just to go back to my, uh, let's call it skepticism towards technology (laughs) is a really good, um, case. What you just made sort of, um, unintentionally was a good case for not being the early adopter because the early adopter pays the most and has the worst experience, right? The second wave of people who, who adopted technology get all the benefits of the bad things that the initial release went through. Now, some companies get it right, right out of the gate, but most of them are trying to get money in the coffer from go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's rare that anybody's funded well enough to make sure that, you know, they become a growing concern, uh, you know, based on just a first first round of funding. Right. Uh, But let me say, um, (laughs) I was perfectly happy to pay my forty nine ninety five to Trail Forks. I had no problems with that. Yes. Um, and it may have been that I paid just a little bit less as an introductory, but it was not seventeen ninety nine. Right. Um, I it's I mean, it's sort of a weird thing. It's like, well, if you're going to charge less, yes, I'd like to be charged the least amount that you're charging people. But I was square with what it cost. And now it's kind of embarrassing to look at that and see how it's been devalued. Um. Well, Trail Forks likely costs $17.99 because all trails cost $36. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Competition so, in the marketplace. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, and they yeah. both need a critical mass of users in order to make the thing work. Uh, so true. So yeah. very true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the long and the short here is that 
some app of this sort is a handy, handy thing to have on your phone. Absolutely. And I, I'm not one of those people that runs it at the beginning of a ride and like tracks my progress the whole way. Like I will use it to research an area and to make a plan. And then I go ride and uh, then I don't look at it again unless the ride goes awry. Yeah, that's exactly how I've used trail forks. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm here. Now I'm going to go ride. Right, exactly. And not look at the map that would help me. That's right. Yes. That's, that is my great preference. And, you know, even when I get lost, I'm not mad because what I don't want to do is be looking at my phone or whatever I'm running an app on the whole time. I want to be looking at where I'm riding and what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. But also, can I just ask the question? How many of our listeners right now are going, oh, my God, I would shoot myself if I rode with these guys. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at my map constantly. I'm checking. I I have never gone off course, you know, in the last 34 years of riding. <laughs> well, my friend Caitlin, my friend Caitlin uh, clued me into this idea. Uh, I think it comes from actually our friend Jermaine. But anyway, uh, the idea is that there are compass people and map people. And compass people want to know generally which which way they're going and they want to then, you know, sort of uh, have at least the sense that they are taking themselves to their destination. Mm -hmm. And then there are map people who want to know what each of the steps is along the way mm -hmm. and tick them off as they go so that they know that they're reaching the, the destination at the at the. Mm -hmm. earliest and best possible moment. Yes. Um, and this is not just about riding bikes or navigating outside, but it's about doing work. You know, you yeah. have teams of people and some people want a goal and they want to work towards it. And other people want a roadmap that lays out a project step by step. I am a compass. Yep. Me too. Yes. Me too. My wife is a map, which may be uh, why we don't ride well together. But anyway, <clears throat> Yeah, I, I literally once got in my car and started driving west uh, without actually opening the maps. I was headed to Delaware. And I just got in my car and started driving west in Massachusetts, knowing that at some point I was going to hit an interstate that I would turn south on. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I have taken that approach. I, I messed that up. I mean... <laughs> The vernacular I would like to use to describe how I handled that. Yes. Uh, moving right along. My pick this week is my aforementioned tandem. I've oh. got a co-motion periscope. Um, the periscope is unusual among tandems because it features telescoping seat tubes uh, in order to accommodate a wide range of rider heights. Mm. So what do I mean by telescoping seat tubes? Think of it as there being two seat posts. The seat post that is inserted into the seat tube, the frame itself, has a seat clamp at the top and another seat post inserts into that. So kind of like, you know, a telescoping antenna. Sure. Yeah. Um, I ordered a periscope because I wanted to be able to tandem with my boys. And not only does it allow for quick changes in saddle height, a periscope allows for the lowest saddle position of any co-motion tandem. So you can get an eight-year-old on the back. Nice. Uh, or even a seven-year-old in some cases. Um, uh, where was I? Um, 
Comotion makes a few different versions of the Periscope, uh, including a triple version. Mm. Um, I have the Torpedo, which is their road bike version. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm the sorry. Periscope, the Comotion Periscope Torpedo. Yes. The Torpedo. I I <laughs> I have participated in the naming of of several bike models. Uh, I don't there's no meeting I've said I've said in on that topic uh, that torpedo would have been. But good for them. I'm psyched. <laughs> you know, so, torpedoes are meant to explode upon impact. Right. Anyway. Anyway, I love it. Yep. Yep. Uh, things end badly for torpedoes. They do. <laughs> so for all the similarity we see in road bike geometry, tandems are a very different story. I'm a fan of commotion because their tandems handle with the most natural feel I've encountered on a tandem, which is to say, I mean, they don't feel like a single, but they don't feel like they are as long as they are. And that's, uh, that's really worth something. Mm. Uh, it's a lot easier to make them turn in than some other tandems out there. Um, I've ridden a fair number of tandems, actually, at this point, and I've even owned a Cannondale before this one. Mm -hmm. um, as a general rule, I think tandems are terrific fun. Um, but uh, the the Periscope is interesting because thanks to less tubing, uh, there's it's much lighter than your typical tandem. Mm -hmm. um, there can be some issues depending on the weights of the riders in terms of lash. They make an aluminum version that's stiffer. And I might should have gone that way, but I was thinking steel was the way to go. Uh, there can be some some lash in that frame, which can make the handling a little interesting at mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. um, they offer the Periscope in a number of different builds in addition to those different versions. Um, and it's very easily customized at that since they're uh, a smaller operation, kind of like seven. Um, I just sorted... I, I decided to order mine uh, with SNS couplers to make it easier to transport. I don't know how many times I'll ever put that thing into a case, mm. but just to be able to break it in half and stick it uh, in a vehicle, pretty handy. Yeah. Awfully yeah. handy. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. And probably for storage at home as well. I mean, not that you're, if I'm just saying for people who don't have space for a fully assembled yeah. tandem you know you could make the case if it breaks apart that it's easier to store at home yeah yeah you and i get like that idea closet. that you could ride it with your kids and your partner mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah uh it's it's really it's a very very neat little vehicle um and hopefully i'll get better at doing it with this woman i'm pretty crazy about <laughs> uh i only see good outcomes <laughs> we shall see. Yes. Uh, so periscopes start at forty six ninety five, which is really very reasonable. Um, and we will have a link to commotion in our show notes. Alrighty, that's a wrap on another episode of the Pace Line. I would like to thank the fire department for their sounds outside. Uh, John, what are some of the stories that we have coming up on TCI um, that might interest our readers? Um. We have an array of things. Uh, we've got, um, well, we have ongoing contributions from our buddy Johnny Raz, who uh, writes compellingly and romantically, I would say, about yeah. the uh, riding in the Oregon wilderness. 
uh, and about life and sort of like <sighs> unplugging from the rat race and seeing what's good, seeing what's mm-hmm. good, seeing what's important. Um, and then we're going to have a whole bunch of reviews coming up. Uh, we have a podcast that we are still working on um, that I'm pretty excited about. Mm-hmm. All, the, all the long way home. Um, so mu- there's so much. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, uh, so if you haven't already do check out those other podcasts, uh, like revolting, uh, which lives up to its name in some ways, but is highly entertaining. And, uh, if all goes well, uh, I think our first episode of the long way home will be up next week. Excellent. Yeah. I've got a little more mixing to do. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see, maybe consider leaving a review wherever it is. You found us. It makes it more likely other people will listen in. Constructive criticism is also accepted. And hey, send us some questions again. If you've got an idea or a question, please drop by the Cycling Independent and put a suggestion in the comments. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with John Lewis. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line. <laughs>